We're so glad that you've joined us today on the Relevant Church Podcast. There's so much God wants to do in and through you as you listen to today's message. If you want to learn more about Relevant Church, visit us online at thisisrelevant.cc. So we're kicking off this series called Fake Love. It's a series about loving people you don't like or not. It's a series studying through the book of Jonah. And we get to learn some incredible lessons from one of these guys who is uh, called the Minor Prophets. It's from a section of scripture called the Minor Prophets. There's the major prophets like Isaiah, Jeremiah, you know, all these uh, major prophets. And then he's got the minor prophets. And they're not minor because they were less than. They're just minor because their books were shorter. They said what they needed to say very quickly. Unlike Pastor Muto, who's about to take four hours right now. No, it's, uh, it's from the minor prophets section of the Bible. But this is the one thing that you should know. All scripture is God's word. So whether it's minor prophets, major prophets, whether it's in the New Testament, it's the Old Testament, it's all relevant because it all points to Jesus. And we're going to see in this scripture how it all points to Jesus. And at the end of the day, this book is supposed to teach us something. It's didactic. There are lessons in this scripture that is really supposed to transform our lives. And so that's why we're jumping in this text. And just give you a little background, the entire major theme of this book is to show you how relentless God's love is for humanity. And it doesn't stop there. The theme of this book, the purpose of this book is not only to show us God's love for humanity, but it calls us to check ourselves and say, do I love people like God loves people? Do I love and do I have the same compassion like God has compassion and love? And hopefully by the end of this book, as we go through the fake love, that we too will be able to say, I've got the heart of the Father. One that lives selflessly and lives in pursuit of God's people. And so this book is funny, y'all. The Bible's hilarious. Jonah is like, it's a satire. There's a lot of comedic stuff that happens in this book. Like this dude is just like a mumbling fool. And we learn so much about him because we're like, (laughs) that looks familiar. That looks like me. I did that. So you guys ready to jump into this word? All right, let's pray. Father God, thank you. Thank you for this space. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your word. Teach us today, soak us in your scripture and allow us to take something home that's tangible that'll transform our lives today, here and now change something in us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have you ever been in a public place and then see somebody you don't want to talk to? You're walking through the grocery store and you turn a corner you're in a happy district. And then you're like, oh. like you're backing up. You're ready to go. 
Ever been in, you're in a store, in a public place, you're, you're walking through, and you see people you don't want to talk to, like, I don't want to be bothered today, I don't want to say anything, I've got my headphones on, I'm not listening to anything, I just don't want anybody to talk to me, I just don't want to see this person right now, and you see them, and you start ducking and dodging, and you're doing everything to get away from that person. I've done that. A lot. I don't know, maybe, maybe it's, a, it's an ex, or, or maybe it's a crush. Or maybe it's, it's that person, that coworker that you try to throw shade at all the time, but this time you're dressed not like you were supposed to go anywhere and you don't want them to see you so they have real shade to throw on you. There's some times where you walk through a space and you're just like, man, I really, I really don't want to talk to anybody. I really don't want to see that person. I got to get away. And it's, it's sometimes like I just don't want to be seen right now. I'm in a situation where I don't want to engage anybody right now. Like, Christine and I have perfected dodging people in the grocery store. So we're in the grocery store. Christine's over there getting something. I'm over here getting something. And it's crazy. Like, we'll be walking through, and then she'll see somebody, or I'll see somebody, and we've perfected it now. We've got cell phones now. you got FaceTime. You can call somebody real quick. You can text somebody real quick and alert them that there's danger ahead. <laughs> so Christine will hit me up, and she'll say, Husband, this is wife calling from I-8. I am headed into I-9, and I see a bogey in I-9. Do I engage? And I'll say, uh, wife, this is husband reporting from B-13. Do not engage bogey. Avert plans. And she'll hit me back and says, copy that averting flight plan. We've gotten it so perfect. Like, I would love to be one of those individuals in, like, in like Walmart or Target who just sits there and watches all the cameras. Because when you see Mutai and Christine rolling through, you might see us dug into a bunch of clothes for a quick second, doing, like, ninja crawls across the table. Because we just don't engage somebody. Don't act like I'm the only one who does that. Y'all be avoiding people, too. I've gotten to the point now where I'm like, listen, I don't want to go through the whole avoidance process. I'll just leave. I'll roll up to the store, and I'll come inside. I'll get my cart, and I'll see somebody. I'll be like, exit store. I'll just go somewhere else. You know, in this, in this scripture we're about to get into, there's a situation where this guy named Jonah is called to engage some people that he does not want to engage with. So as soon as he hears the call to go engage these people, he averts the mission and changes his flight plan and heads in a totally different direction. If you guys have your Bibles, go to Jonah chapter 1. Just right there in the first chapter, we get to learn some lessons of what it's like. Jonah's like, I know what that life is like. I know how to duck out aisle nine, and exit the premises. And I believe that as we go through this text today, there's some lessons that we're supposed to take home just in showing love and the difference between real love and fake love. So if you got it, Jonah chapter one, say, I got it. If you don't got it, say, hold up. I ain't got time for you. I'm going anyway. Um, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, 
the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and call against it, for the evil has come up before me. God speaks to Jonah. Imagine having that sort of encounter where God comes to you specifically and tells you what his mission is for your life. And a lot of us here, we pray and we say, God, just reveal to me what you want me to do in in my life. Tell me where you need me to be. And this guy, God comes to him personally and says, listen, this is what I want you to do in your life. I want you to go to a city called Nineveh. The great city of Nineveh. Nineveh was the Assyrian capital in that day. It was a major influential city. They were successful in industry, in culture, in everything that they did. It was one of the world's superpowers. It was like like a huge metropolis. It was New York City. It was L.A. It was Times Square. It was just that spot that everybody wanted to be at, but that place was also corrupt. God said, Hey, their reputation precedes them. He says, I've seen their evil. I need you to go call out against it. I need you to go take a word of warning, a word of judgment against these people. I need you to go tell them about themselves. All of us in here would have signed up. Be like, oh, I like throwing shade. I'll do it. Pick me, Jesus. I'm petty. (laughs) But he's like, I am not going to Nineveh. That place is crazy. It was also known for a place of just incredible pain. I mean, they were so powerful. They inflicted so much pain on so many of the surrounding region. I mean, these were the the military uh, leaders of the region, of the area, of the world at that time. They had pride, greed, violence, cruelty, all took place because of this, this city. And Jonah was like, I am not going there. That is not happening. I am not going to my death. No, thank you, God. I am good. God said, listen, their evil has risen to me like it's like a cloud. Like you ever just walk into a place and just smell something bad? It just kind of just hit your nose. Like everything was cool just a second ago. Anybody who has a baby knows what I'm talking about. The baby be all cute, holding it, you're smiling, and you're just like, where did that come from? And God says, their evil is like a stench coming up into my nose. Like, I, I'm smelling it. It's, it's, it's disturbing me. But then in this moment, when we see Jonah change his flight plan, it says in verse 3, it says, But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. He gets out of Dodge. And that is the first lesson that we learn about fake love. Fake love will take flight at any sign of opposition. Fake love will always take flight. Fake love doesn't want to stick around when things look like they're going to get tough. They may not even be tough already, but they're going to figure out a way to get out of that situation. And that's what happens to Jonah. He heads off to this place called Tarshish. And historians say nobody really knows where that location was. 
And nobody really can, can, can figure out and really pinpoint their ideas. It could have been here. It could have been there. All they're saying, it was, it was probably the farthest known land to the Hebrew people. Like, this is just, I'm just going to go as far as I possibly can. says he went down to Joppa to go catch this, this boat. I want you guys to remember this term, went down, because we see it through this scripture. Joppa was about 50 miles from Jonah's hometown. This brother wanted to get out of Dodge so bad that he traveled 50 miles just to travel again a distance that he hadn't even clue how long it was going to take. I mean, this is before Uber, Lyft. He wasn't getting no ride. You can hop on a bus and creep to the back. Like, only way people travel was like camels and horses. You're not jumping on somebody's horse and be like, yeah, well, I'm riding with you. This dude traveled 50 miles just to get away from the place that he was supposed to go. And the crazy thing is that he goes to Joppa, which is a non-Israelite town. And if you want to know anything about these Israelites, about these Jewish people, who was Jonah, they were some of the most racist people in the world. So for them to go to a non-Israelite town without a group of them or just by themselves for whatever reason, which is like, why would you do that? They wouldn't find themselves caught dead in Gentile land because that's what they called everybody else who wasn't like them. Those are Gentiles. I'm not trying to go there. But isn't it funny that when you are trying to escape the very thing that you're supposed to do, you will do anything and everything to get away from it. I love that. I love that saying. It says sin will take you further and deeper than you ever thought you would ever go. Disobedience will take you further and deeper. You will start concocting schemes and trying to figure out different ways to to accomplish that thing that you, you, you want to do so that you don't have to do the thing that you're supposed to do. It said here that he, he found a ship and paid the fare and went down into it to go to Tarshish. He was willing to pay for his disobedience. How many in here are willing to admit you've paid for your disobedience time and time again in your life? Like you, you put yourself out there. You're like, I'm going to do what this thing that I, w- I want to do by any means necessary. The crazy thing is that Jonah was set apart. God spoke to Jonah. God called Jonah. Jonah had God's voice in his ear, yet he chose to run. So we go on, verse 4 through 6. He says, but the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea. Can I free somebody today? That storm in your life, that's not the devil. Sometimes God is going to have to raise up a storm in your life to get a hold of your attention. We give the devil too much credit. Oh, the devil's at work in my life. No, 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 no. You're just being disobedient. God's trying to get your attention. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea. And there was a mighty tempest, like there was a mighty storm on the sea so that the ship was threatened to break up. Verse 5. 
Then the mariners were afraid. Each cried out to his God and they hurled cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it up for them. The great wind came from God. God did it. We don't, we don't talk about this. We don't preach about this. God caused the danger. And these guys are tripping. The Phoenicians, this, the, these are the people who lived in this region. They're the ones who used to sail on these ships. And they were known to be like elite mariners. Like these were like the elite of the elite of seamen. Everybody knew that these guys could get through any danger, any storm, any situation. And these guys are afraid of their lives. Guys like fishermen, strong, burly, got beers. Like, uh, oh, where, where's, where's Dave Carroll? Dave looking like Dave Carroll, just strong and like burly and all that. And these guys are like babies crying. They're afraid. They're in a situation where they have no clue what to do. And everybody starts calling out to their personal gods because they were a polytheistic culture. So everybody had their own God. Everybody had their own individual God that when things went wrong, they ran to. They had their own coping mechanism that we run to. Isn't this a picture of humanity right now? Storms come. And while there's a big God, there's an eternal God, we choose these coping mechanisms. For some of us, it's porn. Things go wrong in our lives, we turn to the screen. For some of us, it's drugs, it's alcohol. For some of us, it's sex. At the end of the day, they called out to their gods, thinking their gods will save them, much like many of us. When we are in a situation, we're depressed, we're sad, things aren't going right. And instead of going to God, we call the things that we cope with. And we realize that it's not changing anything. Our situation is still in danger. But look at this fool, Jonah. This brother, in verse 5, it said, but Jonah. Everybody say, but Jonah. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and lay down and was fast asleep. Everybody is acting crazy. Everybody's tripping. We're about to die. And Jonah is like, man, listen, if I die, I die, man. I'm going to sleep. I'm not going to uh, Nineveh. It's not happening. Isn't that crazy? Jonah took comfort in his own disobedience. He allowed himself to just go ahead and make a bed in the very thing that was going to kill him. You ever done that? God sent the wind. God hurled a great wind upon the sea. His love would not let Jonah go. He was going to do everything to make sure that Jonah was back on course. God loved Jonah so much that he was going to run to him, that he was going to fight for him. And that's what real love shows us. Real love will take up the fight to bring about reconciliation. Real love will take up the fight to bring about reconciliation. I don't care what happened. I don't know how much we fought. I don't care how much uh, you dropped the ball. I'm going to fight for you. I am in this with you. Somebody needs to look at their spouse and just say, we are in this. We're not going anywhere. I will fight. I will fight. I will fight. I am not going to let you go. Real love will take up the fight to bring about reconciliation. 
But fake love, fake love will go to any great lengths to avoid accountability. Fake love will go to great lengths to avoid accountability. Can I ask you guys a question? Because this, 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 this book is about learning about God's love for us and learning, do we have the same love? Do we have the, the same compassion in our hearts? And hopefully it's supposed to change what we're supposed to do in our lives. So let me ask you guys a question real quick. Where is your bed made? Where are you getting comfortable? Uh, Where are you placing yourself in a situation where God is like, hey, listen, that is not the ideal situation for you, but you are allowing yourself to make a bed in the very same thing that's going to kill you. So what happens? He's fast asleep. So the captain in verse 6 came and said to him, what do you mean, you sleeper? Exactly. What do you gain from this? Hashtag Spring Hill. I see you, youth. I hear the stories. He says, what do you, what do you gain, you sleeper? What do you mean by this? You know, this is interesting. Have you ever been so afraid that you, you can't even cuss? What do you gain, you, you sleeper? You sleeping? We about to die. I can't even cuss you out because I'm so scared right now. What are you doing? He says, arise and call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. Isn't it sad that God had spoken to Jonah? He had the living God's presence with him, yet they couldn't tell him apart from themselves. They thought he was just a regular old pagan like them. Pagan, not in a derogatory term, it just meant somebody who was not part of the, the dominant religion and the dominant religion in the Jewish and, and Israelite culture uh, was uh, worshiping the God of heaven and the God of earth. And at the end of the day, they're looking at him like, dude, you look like one of us. So why the heck are you sleeping? Who's your God? Where's your God? Get your God. Begin to pray to him. Begin to conjure him up. Begin to do something because we're about to die. It's crazy that I don't want to get ahead of myself, but here's the deal. Are we sleeping when we should be acting? Are there some specific things in our lives that we're supposed to be doing that we know God has called us to do, but yet we're too busy, comfortable, sleeping, and abdicating responsibility? I've done it. I've run away from God. I've been like, God, I'm not going to do that thing. Mm -mm, It's not going to happen. Fake love will go to great lengths to avoid accountability. Verse 7, and they said to one another, come, let us cast lots that we may know whose account this evil has come upon us. Let us cast lots. You hear this in scripture talking about them casting lots. Uh, Nobody really knows exactly what it was, but it was like ancient day rock, paper, scissors. Come on, everybody, huddle up right now. We're about to die. Let's go. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Elimination round. Okay, it's just me and you. Who is it? 
They were pulling straws. They were trying to figure it out because at the end of the day, they figured games of chance like that will reveal what the gods wanted them to know. They would reveal the gods' decision. Aren't you so glad we serve a God that is not a God by chance, that people can play a chance game, but God's sovereignty is still at play and at work, and his purposes are always going to be revealed, even in simple games of chance. God is at work. It was all orchestrated by God. And then, what does it say? And they said to one another, come, let us cast lots that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots, and lo and behold, the lot fell on Jonah. God outed that brother quick. You know, in that moment, they recognize, they begin to look at him and says, you look different. You dress different. You talk different. Why didn't we notice that when you got on the ship? How do we know? Because they start to give him these barrage of questions. And have you ever been in a situation that you know you shouldn't have been in and you're exposed in that situation? And people are like, look, I don't even know why you're here. You're not about this life. I remember when we were young and we wanted to be, uh, this is what we called ourselves. See, we grew up in the burbs, but we wanted to be like all thuggish. And so we got these little suburban kids from St. Joe trying to be all hood and Benton Harbor. And then you get into a situation that you really don't really want to get into. And in that moment, you're like, I mean, I, I mean, I mean, um, and people are like you ain't about that life. You're in a situation where you're trying to be all uh, big and bad or you're in a situation where you're uh, at the club and everybody is dancing and doing everything and you can't even dance. And they're like, you're not about this life. You're in a situation where everybody is just getting plastered in the face or taking drugs, and you just look super timid, and everybody looks at you and said, you're not about this life. Why are you here? You're in a situation where you're laying in bed with that person, and they're ready to do whatever, and you like seem so uncomfortable, and they're like, man, you're not supposed to be doing this. God will out us. And praise God for that. He is saving our souls. And that's what happens to Jonah in this moment. He is exposing him. I remember when I was trying to run away from God, everywhere I went, I just felt guilty. I'll show up to pick my son up from school. Christine knows the story. We've talked this story all the time. I'll go pick my son up from school, and I'll look at the teacher, and the teacher will be looking at me, and I'm thinking they're judging me. Um, hi. They're like, hey, how are you doing? How's your day? I didn't do anything. Uh, excuse me? Oh, I'm sorry. I've been that. I've lived that life. I was Jonah. God called me to do something, and I decided to run, and I decided to do everything in my power to prove to God that he picked the wrong person. But in every moment, after every moment, people would say, you've missed your calling. You look different. You shouldn't be here. Why are you doing this? And in every moment, God was reminding me, this is not for you. And maybe somebody in here is in that situation where you're trying to be this person. You're trying to play this part. And God is telling you, listen, this is not for you. 
I've got a better call. I've got a better plan for you. Verse 8, like I said, they, they begin to ask him all these barrage of questions. And they said to him, tell us on whose account this evil has come upon. What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? What people are you from? Real love will go to great lengths to maintain responsibility. God revealed who Jonah was. He was going to do whatever he can to bring him about. Point number five. Fake love, though, will be exposed by vain declarations. Fake love will be exposed by vain declarations. Check this out. So he's outed. He can't hide anymore. He's been recognized that, you know what, this is not your life. It's time for you to man up. Who are you? Why are you here? Look how he answers. Typical church, church answer. Well, I'm a Hebrew. Don't we, do, don't we do that, though? Well, I'm a Christian. So why are you here right now? I don't, you know, it's so funny when we try to have standards in our sin. I won't do that. I'm not going to go past this line. I would never do that. I may do this over here, but I'm not that bad. I'm not going to cross this line because at the end of the day, I know what I believe. Well, you wouldn't be tiptoeing on the edge if you really believed what you believed. Because fake love will be exposed by vain declaration. He goes, uh, they say, who are you? He says, I'm a Hebrew. He begins with his nationality. He's, he's prideful nationality. Remember, I told you, these guys were racist bigots. And they thought they were better than anybody. So as soon as he was asked, who are you? He says, I'm a Hebrew. I'm not like you pagans. I'm better than you. In fact, that's why I was sleeping. I'm a Hebrew. And then he goes on and he says, and I fear the Lord. Unlike you guys afraid of this ship. I fear the Lord. Uh, That word fear is like I worship. It's not fear like I'm afraid of. He says, I worship. I worship the Lord. I love the Lord. Well, if you do, why are you in the ship? Uh, Jonah, if if you love God, I love God. I don't know about y'all, but I love God. Well, if you love God, why are you in this ship? Why are you in this situation? If you worship God, why are you here? If you believe in God, if you love God, if you've been saved by God, why are you putting yourself in a situation that is contrary to everything that God is calling for your life? Maybe it's a bunch of fake love. Uh, I I, I love God. Uh, Fake love will be exposed by vain declarations. I'm a Hebrew. I'm one of the chosen people. I fear the Lord, the God of heaven. 
who made the sea and the dry land. You know what this declaration is? You guys are calling out to your little pagan gods. You, you're calling out the of God of the sea. You're calling out the God of the rain. You guys are going uh, calling out the God of the clouds. I serve the God of the heavens and the earth, the God who is over and above all of these things. Well, if you do, then why are you here? Because Jonah's actions contradict his confession. And many of us are walking down every single day making these declarations, these vain declarations. I believe in God. I love Jesus. I love, I love God. I'm saved. Yet you're acting in an unsafe pattern. Your actions are contradicting your confession. I've done it too. I'm not pointing fingers. They say you point one finger out, there's four coming back at you. Or three. I don't know. They don't need to get four. He claims to fear God, but takes flight from his presence. Verse 10, they say this. Then the men were exceedingly afraid. They were scared before. They were scared of the storm. Now they're scared of this God who is overseeing the storm. This God who is above and beyond and is not touched or influenced or affected by the storm. The men were exceedingly afraid. These guys didn't even know who God was, but they were more afraid than the person who was called by God. They said, what have you done? For the men knew he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. They were exceedingly afraid. You know, Jonah's name is called Dove. It means dove. Isn't that just coincidental? That God is a God of peace and a God of love. When Jesus went down into the water to be baptized, he rose up and the Spirit of God descended upon him like a dove. But instead of descending upon to bring peace, Jonah's presence brought down judgment on people who had nothing to do with his situation. He put them in danger. He took flight like a bird when he should have stood firm. But aren't you glad that we serve a God that does not care whether you run or not because he will run after you. We serve a God who's not going to allow us to go to our demise, but he will follow us so that he can reveal himself to us and bring us back from the pit of death. God doesn't change his mind just because we took flight away from him. God doesn't change his mind when we turn our backs on him. God will come after us over and over again. It says he will lead the 99 to chase the one. God doesn't care where you're at. There's no place we can run from God's presence. You can go high as the heavens, as low as the earth. As long as God is still on the throne, he will come after you. He will not let you go. He will not let you die because he loves you. He is for you and he will come after you day in and day out. And we see that real love will be exposed by unhindered action. 
real love will be revealed by unhindered action. Because here's the deal. My actions will always, my actions will always be a window into my affections. My actions will be a window into our affections because at the end of the day, love is actually a six-letter word. It's called action. Love is not a feeling. Love is not an emotion. Love is not a sentiment. Love is action. It is revealed through our daily lives. You know, I love this quote by John Ruskin. I've always loved this quote. I don't know when I read it, but it was early, uh, early on when I was younger. It says this, what we think or what we know or what we believe is of little consequence. The only thing of consequence is what we do. It's all about our actions. Thank you again for joining us on the Relevant Church Podcast. If this message has been impactful to you, let us know by sending an email to hello at thisisrelevant.cc. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by investing at giving.thisisrelevant.cc. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel for more messages like this one.